Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Intersecting Media presents. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. The next thing in late night talk. Here we go. While you're working, eating, and playing, he's watching. It'll be like OTAN. Keeping you informed. Thank you. Jason Page. Demented and sad. But social. Covering all the day's news from a studio somewhere in Southeast Asia. Worldwide! And talking about it with you. Blah, blah, blah. You're up late with Jason Page. Hoo Or up early. Good morning. But just stay up. It is time. Here's Jason. Thank you very much, Chad Erickson. Good to be with you on this Tuesday slash Wednesday edition of Up Late. I am the aforementioned Jason Page. We got a lot to do over the next 60 minutes, roughly thereabouts. Um, Just uh, kill the music here. I I, got to tell you, it was like deja vu. Uh, It was the old Yogi Bear saying it was deja vu all over again. I have... um, I've been in the the media business for 25 years and it's rare to see major history sort of repeat itself now there's only one of a 9-11 there's only one of an Oklahoma City bombing there's only one of the 2000 presidential election there's just only one but if there's one thing we a, a, a constant revisiting of that we see in history in sports, it is athletes perishing in vehicle wrecks. Roberto Clemente, plane crash. Thurman Munson, a plane crash. Roy Halladay, a plane crash. Uh, Kobe Bryant, the helicopter wreck. Uh, Drazen Petrovic, a, a car wreck. And almost a year ago, just a little over a year ago, we were talking about the death of one of the greatest basketball players of all time, an icon in Kobe Bryant. And I was um, on the airwaves that day with with MSNBC. Uh, They'd called me up to, to talk to me about it. And who would have thought that almost a year to the day, I mean, just a little over a year ago, we were talking about this story involving Kobe Bryant, that a year later, we would be talking about a really, a near-death crash for one of, another one of these icons in sports, in Tiger Woods. That we would again be talking about a situation where you have one of the most recognizable faces in all of sports. Forget even sports, just one of the most recognizable faces in the world. In Tiger Woods. Nearly dying in a vehicle crash uh, in California. L.A. County Sheriff's finding Tiger Woods in his vehicle that had rolled over several times. Uh, it was a Genesis SUV. I believe it's Hyundai, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or is it Kia? I don't remember. But you had this vehicle roll over and wind up several hundred feet from the road where Tiger Woods had to be extricated from this vehicle. Um, tried to reportedly stand up, couldn't do so under his own power, was put on a back brace, was taken away, and is now recovering at an area hospital after having to undergo surgery for reportedly a shattered ankle and a compound fracture to one of his legs. Both legs, basically, though, were impacted by this crash. Serious but stable condition as of the time we came on the air. And you just thank your lucky stars that Tiger Woods managed to survive this crash. That he's alive. But it's just remarkable the way history sometimes repeats itself in some ways and how you have these experiences that are just sort of once in a lifetime and others. 
the Tiger Woods thing feels like it has happened so many times in covering the sports world. I was on the air, God, I think I was at Sirius, when Corey Lytle's helicopter crashed into a side of a building in Midtown Manhattan. It's remarkable the number of times these things seem to happen with professional athletes. Payne Stewart. The airplane crash. Um, Some sort of mishap inside the plane. Everybody goes unconscious. It's a ghost plane. Eventually, it runs out of fuel and crashes. Payne Stewart, a bunch of others killed in this just awful uh, plane crash. And we see these things repeat themselves in sports time and time again. And it felt like I, I will, and it was, it was, again, it was so eerily similar to the Kobe Bryant thing in that I woke up, I was awoken by the news of the Tiger Woods rollover. And it was the same thing with Kobe Bryant. I was awoken by the news. I was, I was taking an afternoon nap when the Kobe Bryant plane crash happened back in the United States, I was there. And today in Singapore, I was awoken early morning by the news of this rollover for Tiger Woods. And again, as the sheriff's deputies have described, as the first officer on the scene described, Tiger Woods is lucky to be alive. And I texted my friend Jason Sobel uh, over at uh, the Action Network, and he does a show for SiriusXM. He used to be with Golf Channel. He used to be with ESPN. Uh, I texted my buddy Jason Sobel, and I said, crazy story, and I said, what more can this man possibly endure in his life, both self-inflicted and inflicted upon him? Five back surgeries, five. Five knee surgeries, five. We know about all the major titles. We know about him being on the verge of becoming the most winningest golfer in PGA Tour history. But what more can this man endure? I was thinking about it today, and all I had, all I could think of was just a few months ago, Tiger playing in that. Um, father-son challenge that the PGA Tour put on and Tiger playing with his son Charlie and seeing the joy on his face as he was able to traverse the course with his son who hit some amazing shots and showed some of that same Tiger fire and energy that were all used to seeing on the tour, especially during Tiger's younger years. And here was Tiger just, I mean, inches away. If one wrong thing had happened, if the vehicle lands differently, if he's not wearing a seatbelt, if an airbag doesn't deploy at exactly the right time, we're talking about an entirely different story altogether today than the one we are discussing, which is, Tiger Woods is injured. It's very serious. And thankfully, he's going to survive. Now, his team, the one thing you always know about Tiger is he tries to keep as much injury stuff, um, personal life stuff, he tries to keep it as close to the vest as possible. And this is no different. Everything that's come out so far is coming from leaks, it's coming from sources, but we've not heard anything from Tiger's team officially other than to say, he's been in a car crash, please respect his privacy, give him some space. But the early reporting is that Tiger Woods has suffered very serious leg injuries. And none of this even speaks to whether or not this crash may have done further damage to the back that he just had operated on for the fifth time. And I was watching some of the all news networks reporting on this tonight. And 
there was the automatic speculation of, oh, is he going to be able to come back again? Is he going to be able to play again? Just be happy if the guy could walk again. Just be happy if he can enjoy the life of being able to enjoy his kids. He's 45 years old. Tiger Woods is basically two years older than me. Tiger Woods is a little less than two years older than me. I haven't had five back surgeries or five knee surgeries. I have had a lot of surgeries on my leg, and I've suffered an open compound fracture, which is reportedly one of the injuries he has suffered is a compound fracture. So I can tell you from experience, and I'm somebody that suffered this injury when I was much, much younger, that it is something that is very difficult uh, to come back from when you're younger, let alone at the age of 45. Look at what Alex Smith just had to do. And who's to say how serious of a compound fracture this was? All we're hearing is it's a compound fracture. We don't know if it's tibula, fibula, femur. We don't know where it is. We don't know if there was a significant amount of blood loss. We don't know if muscle was damaged. We don't know if nerves. Te- you just just no saying. So anybody trying to speculate right now as to whether or not Tiger Woods can return to the level of golf that would be needed to even compete on the PGA Tour, much less win again on the PGA Tour, is simply speculating. Tiger was just hoping to be able to come back in time for the Masters this year after the fifth back surgery. You could be talking 46, 47 years old by the time we see Tiger Woods competing on a golf course again. But I will say this about Tiger. He's always a guy that's looked for an edge. And I don't mean from a cheating standpoint. I mean something to motivate him. Tiger's always looked for something that can galvanize him, something that can motivate him. First, it was coming back from the cheating scandals with Ilan Nordegren and, you know, the whole divorce and then the back surgeries and all these different things that happened in his personal life. Then it was the knee surgeries and all this other stuff. And then eventually he wins the Masters and one of the greatest comebacks in the history of sports. But think about this. That was Tiger five, four, five, you know, four or five years ago trying to come back and winning a couple of years ago at the Masters. This is going to be Tiger at 46, 47, trying to win majors, trying to win golf tournaments, and trying to do it against the best crop of golfers that the game has probably ever seen. If you're talking about the best compilation, the best collective group of golfers. And I say this with all due respect to the Jack Nicklaus's, Arnold Palmer, Seve Ballesteros, Gary Players, um, Lenny Watkins, Lee Trevino, Johnny Miller, on and on and on. I say this with all due respect to those guys. The crop of golfers that are out there now, the Justin Thomases, the Rory McIlroys, the Bryson DeChambeau's, Justin Rose. I mean, we can go on and on and on. The crop of golfers that are out there today, to me, combined with the equipment, what Tiger will be facing when he tries to return from this latest um, injury, setback, whatever you want to call it, this latest calamity, is going to be something that I just don't know if he's capable. And look, I was one of the people that when Tiger came back this time around said I thought he could win another major. And people laughed at me. I remember John Buchagross from ESPN tweeting at me, ha, 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 I'll bet you a million dollars he doesn't win. And he did win. And he won the biggest tournament in all of golf, the Masters. So I was right. Tiger was capable of winning again. Um, But this is a whole different animal. When you're talking about, obviously you need your back in golf. But 
what you're going to need in terms of your legs at his age, it'd be a miracle if he could just walk healthy again and be able to walk the course and hit a couple of shots with his with his son and mentor him to try and become the golfer that that Tiger was or even be a percentage of the golfer Tiger Woods has been throughout his career. That would be a miracle unto itself, let alone Tiger being able to get out there and not just compete but win again on the PGA Tour. We need to know what the extent of the injuries are. We need to know how severe it is. And then you you start to try and figure out what it all means. I was going to get a doctor on the show tonight. And then, I, and then I sat and thought to myself, well, why? We don't even know what the injuries are. We'd be speculating. So we'll wait until we know more about the injuries to Tiger Woods, and then we'll, we'll at least start to try to have a conversation about whether or not he could even come back uh, from what he has endured. The injury is one thing. Uh, the world's reaction to it is another. And I bring this up because in a day and age where the all-news cycle, the 24-7 news networks, rely entirely on politics to get them through their day, this is one of those stories that yet again shows you the power of Tiger Woods, his ability to transcend sports. That the all-news networks tonight, at least CNN, was leading with the Tiger Woods story, again speaks to just how prominent a personality, um, a part of our culture, Tiger Woods is. You see all the different tweets on the screen right now. And I'll read some of them as we go through. Irvin Magic Johnson. Everyone send your prayers out to Tiger Woods. He was just in a bad car accident. Let us all pray for his speedy recovery. Barack Obama, sending my prayers to Tiger Woods and his family tonight. Here's to a speedy recovery for the goat of golf. If we've learned anything over the years, it's to never count Tiger out. Justin Thomas, sick to my stomach right now, praying for Tiger, hoping for an amazing recovery, thinking about his entire family and team. As of all of our sending our best wishes, Jack Nicholas, sending out his wishes. Heartfelt support, prayers, difficult time. Everybody rallying around Tiger. Who early in his career, while being the dominant force in golf, was not always a darling with the media, was not always behaving in a way... Remember, he had Steve Williams' caddy slash enforcer on the course, taking cameras from people, stuff like that. He was not always the most um, welcoming, inviting personality to some people in the media. And in the late stages of his career, now and I call him the late stages of his career because whether you like it or not, it is, he became a guy that transformed himself, and maybe it was just out of deep appreciation from having the game taken away from him for so long and being robbed of so many years due to injury, maybe that is what changed his attitude, his perspective towards the media, towards dealing with fans, and you saw a much more jovial Tiger on the course. You saw a much happier Tiger on the course. You saw a Tiger that was just enjoying the moment wasn't about chasing records, wasn't about chasing Jack. It was just about being out there and being able to compete with the guys again and being able to enjoy his kids and watching them grow up. It was a different Tiger. The second chapter of Tiger, the latest chapter of Tiger, the latest iteration of Tiger was far different than the Tiger we witnessed during the first 15 years or so of his career. But now you just hope that he can get healthy and enjoy the rest of his life, whatever that may look like. Because there's a real possibility that golf is not a part of that reality, is not a part of what's next for him. You hope it is. We hope it is. Could he write another one of those greatest comeback chapters? Is there still another golf chapter? Or is the book now closed on Tiger Woods as a golfer and we start to talk about his impact post-playing days? 
If I were a betting man, and I have been known to place a wager or two in my life, if I were a betting man, I'd bet that he's at least going to try to make sure that this isn't the way we remember his career ending, that he will want to walk away from the game on his own terms. We'll be back. We welcome you back. It's easier when you turn down the music. We welcome you back up late with Jason Page. On all of our streaming platforms and, of course, the Up Late with Jason Page podcast, courtesy of Believe. And don't forget the Intersection podcast, also available from Believe and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That includes... Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Music, TuneIn. We're on all of them. It's also, it's important to mention this, and Garrett pointed it out in the chat room. Uh, Thank you for watching, Garrett. Um, Garrett pointed it out in the chat room. We have a chat room, by the way, that you can send us messages during the show when we do it live. That's one of the things that you miss out on if you're only listening to the podcast. It's obviously the the chat room. But Garrett points it out. Initial reports didn't appear Tiger was under the influence of alcohol. This does not appear to be something fueled by, you know, any sort of um, impairment. It just sounds like he was driving too fast for a stretch of road where he couldn't be driving fast. And it sounds like, according to the sheriff's deputies, that this is a common occurrence, unfortunately, on this stretch of road um, where this took place. Border of Rolling Hills Estates and Rancho Palos Verdes, about 30 miles south of downtown Los Angeles, which means two hours. Because <laughs> everything's a million miles from downtown Los Angeles uh, if you're talking about how long it takes to get there. I've driven in Los Angeles. It is not fun. But uh, best wishes go out to Tiger, and hopefully um, hopefully he can recover to some form uh, where he could just enjoy life. I, I was doing an interview with a radio station here in Singapore today. I was being interviewed by a, a radio station here in Singapore today about the Tiger Woods story, and I said, yeah, as much as everybody's going to want to talk about golf and what this means to his career and legacy and all those different things that we always like to talk about when these sorts of topics come up, just hope the guy could have a normal life. When you're talking about a crush injury to somebody's ankle, you're talking about a vehicle literally crushing that part of your body. And they're talking about a crush injury to his ankle. I mean, there ain't much left of his ankle, whichever ankle this, this took place on. And, and a compound fracture, I've suffered a compound fracture. It is not something that is easy to recover from. Uh, so all the best wishes going out to Tiger Woods, and hopefully uh, he can make some sort of recovery, no matter what that looks like as far as, as, far as golf is concerned. All right, um, moving to politics, because, of course, we always have to make our daily jaunt to the political side of things. Um, I, I have to start asking whether or not, you know, we, we often talk about political expediency. We have these conversations about whether or not um, politicians say and do things based on political expediency. And I, I give you as an exhibit uh, one Ron Johnson, uh, United States Senator from the great state of Wisconsin. Whoa, Nelly. And Ron Johnson at a hearing uh, meant to address the Capitol um, insurrection attempt, the Capitol riots that took place on January 6th. This is Ron Johnson using his time today with four different members of law enforcement groups that were addressing the uh, horrific attack on the Capitol that day. This is Ron Johnson using his time to espouse conspiracy theories that have long been debunked. A broad cross-section of Americans, mostly working class by their appearance and manner of speech, 
Some people stood out. A very few didn't share the jovial, friendly, earnest demeanor of the great majority. Some obviously didn't fit in. And he describes four different types of people, plainclothes militants, agents provocateurs, fake Trump protesters, and then disciplined, uniform column of attackers. I think these are the people that uh, probably planned this. Now think about what you've seen in the videos from the attack on the Capitol. Think about what you've witnessed in the attack on the Capitol. Seen with your own eyes. Not reportedly, not pictures, actual video of the attack on the Capitol. Think about what you've seen. You're telling me these weren't Trump supporters? You're telling me these weren't people that had Trump's back? Basically repeating the same things he has said verbatim, not just on January 6th, but every day since the election leading up to the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. You've seen it with your own eyes. And Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, is telling you, no, don't trust your eyes. Don't trust what you heard with your own ears. Don't trust what every member of law enforcement is telling you. Not every agency is telling No, no, no. Trust me, Ron Johnson. He goes on. The D.C. Metropolitan Police were their usual professionally detached selves, standing on curbs or at street crossings and exchanging an occasional greeting for marchers. When we crossed 1st Street Northwest to enter the Capitol grounds where the Capitol Police had jurisdiction, I noticed no police at all. Several marchers expressed surprise. The openness seemed like a courtesy gesture from Congress, which controls security. That appearance of low threat level made no sense. Yet no Capitol Police appeared anywhere from what we could see. Now, again, I'm taking these, these excerpts uh, in order, but uh, there's a lot more to this piece. What looked like tens or even hundreds of thousands of people surged down the avenues as far as one can see, but almost everyone seemed talkative and happy. No police could be seen on the platform for now. No police could be seen anywhere. People kept surging in from Constitutional Avenue, and the plaza quickly filled up and overflowed onto the lawn. Everyone squeezed closer and closer together, with most in high spirits. Some trouble began up in the front, near the base of the inaugural platform itself, but we could not see what was happening. Then something happened at the front of the crowd. It seemed like a scuffle, but from 40 feet back, I couldn't see. People started chanting USA, USA, and other slogans. For a few seconds, I saw what looked like police in a tussle with some of the marchers up front, what appeared to be an organized group in civilian clothes. This organized group are the cell I would call the plainclothes militants. They fit right in with MAGA people. Suddenly, energy surged from the front of the crowd as <laughs> the anti-riot police... Above. I wonder why they fit in with MAGA people. Maybe because they are MAGA people. The sad part is, there are people who will believe this. There are people who will take this, because it's Ron Johnson and he's a Republican, and why not? Here's what, here's what baffles me. I, all right, enough of Ron Johnson. I can't, I can't, I just can't. Here's what baffles me about the, about the Ron Johnson thing. We often talk about political expediency. Why do these politicians say and do the things they do? Oh, do, you know, are they trying to get reelected? Are they trying to raise money? Are they trying to stay on Trump's good side? I don't have in front of me the the latest Ron Johnson um, election results from his last Senate race, but I venture to guess it probably wasn't that close. What does Ron Johnson have to gain? This is, this is, I think, a very important question that we need to get to from this sort of stance that he took on Tuesday. Very important question. He's going to win his next... Oh, well, Trump might get somebody to primary me and blah, blah, blah. Stop. Money? You don't need tons of money to raise for this race in Wisconsin. You're settled in your Senate seat. And the only thing I can come up with is something that I, I think makes us all a little uncomfortable in trying to diagnose somebody's mental condition. But I think it's a very fair point to start to ask ourselves. Maybe some of these people are just batshit crazy. Maybe the people that we keep asking, well, why do they keep going to bat for Trump? Maybe it has nothing to do with Trump. Maybe it has nothing to do with Trump. Maybe they're just crazy. Maybe it's time to start questioning their sanity, their mental acuity. 
Because there's no logical reason for Ron Johnson to be espousing conspiracy theories long debunked about who actually attacked the Capitol on January 6th. We know who attacked the Capitol. 99.9% of the people attacking the Capitol were supporters of Donald Trump. Remember the guy thumbing through people's folders and binders inside the Senate or House chamber? Remember they were going through it? And they were like, oh, yeah, Josh Hawley would want these. Cruz would want these. Trump would want us in here doing this. You think those people are actors? You think they were people trying to pretend they were Trump supporters? What kind of idiot would you have to be in order to believe that? And the answer is Ron Johnson. Right there. Ron Johnson. You. That's the only kind of person that would actually subscribe to the idea that this was anything other than Trump supporters carrying out the wishes of dear leader. It is puzzling. It is absolutely puzzling to me. And again, I think people need to start seriously asking the question, what is wrong with Ron Johnson? That he spent two and a half minutes today of the allotted time he has in talking to these people what is it that's not exactly right in his head that he doesn't understand? And the answer is, it just might be that he's not of sane mind. I mean, you still you seriously need to question the mental acuity because if he's not doing it to get reelected, if he's not doing it for Trump, is he running for president and we don't know it in 2024? Maybe. It's very difficult for me to come to any other conclusion than the man just isn't sane. I'm Jason Page, up late with Jason Page. Uh, Speaking with Donald Trump, speaking of Donald Trump, not speaking with Donald Trump, that'd be a story unto itself. (laughs) Uh, Complex.com had the story of just how angry Donald Trump is that the Supreme Court did him wrong. Remember when Donald Trump was all about Amy Coney Barrett, Judge Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch taking pride in these men and women that he was able to get onto the Supreme Court during his time. Oh, Donald Trump is is not very happy right now with the Supreme Court justices that he has elevated to the highest court in the land. He thought they were going to have his back. He thought they would jump to his defense and say, no, no, no. You can't get your hands on Trump's taxes. But when push came to shove, and a lot of people questioned whether or not the Supreme Court would do it right, the Supreme Court handed over the taxes. And now Trump is talking about just how disappointed he is in Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Oh, we're going to find out a lot more about those hush money payments to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, aren't we? I'm telling you, the Trump troubles are just beginning. And if the GOP wants to jump on board with this idea that they should just stick, you know, stick by Trump because they'll get his supporters to to support them, if they want to continue this this idea that staying close to Trump is the way to go, Here's the problem. The longer the GOP stays attached to Trump, the longer this parasitic sort of relationship continues, the worse off the GOP is going to be and the longer it's going to take for the GOP to ever regain its standing in America because the longer they stick by him, the more of his supporters will peel off to whatever party forms now post-Trump, when eventually this split happens. And it will happen. Make no mistake about it. Mark the day. February 23rd at 11.39 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States. I told you, the fracture, the split, the two parties representing conservatives will happen. It's just a question of when and how long it takes for the Republican Party to recover, if it ever can, from making the wrong choices when it comes to sticking with Donald Trump. But man, Ron Johnson, you are a train wreck, dude.
You are an absolute train wreck. Adam Kinzinger, the uh, congressman from Illinois, Ohio, I don't know. He's one of those Midwestern states that is trying to save the Republican Party. He spoke out fervently against the comments from Ron Johnson. Josh Hawley was out there today trumpeting some of the same things that Ron Johnson was saying. Oh, this wasn't an insurrection. It's a mess. It's going to take a while to clean up. Glad I'm not the one that has to do it. We're coming back. We welcome you back up late with Jason Page. I am Jason. The Up Late with Jason Page podcast from our friends at Believe, available on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Apple Music. The Intersection podcast, which you can also catch. It's funny, I was um, I was doing an interview today. I was interviewed by a, a radio station here in Singapore uh, called Money FM. It's, it's basically the only talk station uh, in Singapore. Now, you think about the United States. Now, mind you, this is a country of five and a half million people. Uh, but you think of the United States and the zillions of talk radio stations in the U.S. <laughs> There's one in all of Singapore. Uh, and I was um, thankful enough that they asked me on today for a conversation about the Tiger Woods story. But I actually got a, I actually got pinged in the middle of the night. Because remember the time difference between the U.S. and Singapore. Uh, we're 13 hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time, whatever it is. Uh, but we're 13 hours ahead of New York City. So in the middle of the night, this Tiger Woods story breaks. And I got a phone call in the middle of the night from one of the major, three major news networks asking me to come on early morning on Wednesday in the U.S. And unfortunately, I missed the call because I was, I was sleeping. And I turned my ringer off at night because I get so many alerts from U.S. media text messages from friends, I mean, group chats, all these different things. So if I leave my phone ringer on at night, if I leave the sound on the phone at night, I wake up in the middle of the night, I, I'm constantly being awoken by bling, 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 and I'm a light sleeper. So I turn off the ringer, and of course I turned it off, and somebody had asked me to be on one of the major news networks on Wednesday morning, and I unfortunately missed the call. And by the time I got back in touch with them, it was... It was too late, and they had already uh, moved on to other options, which is totally understandable. They shouldn't be sitting around waiting for dopey old me to get back to them. Um, we were talking a couple of... We talked last week about this Mars rover story, and then yesterday we played the really cool video for you of the Mars rover landing, which really was... I mean, it gave me goosebumps watching it. One story we didn't talk about was this American Airlines story. Um, a jet traveling from Cincinnati to Phoenix encountered a UFO over northeastern New Mexico on Sunday afternoon. The pilot on flight 2292 got in touch at 1 p.m. Central Time that the UFO was flying right on top of them. This according to a radio transmission recorded by Steve Douglas on his blog, Deep Black Horizon. American Airlines has actually verified to Fox News that the transmission is from Flight 2292. Quote, do you have any targets up here? We just had something go right over the top of us, the pilot said in a radio transmission. I hate to say this, but it looked like a long cylindrical object that almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast. It went right over the top of us. American Airlines confirmed, they have said, the radio transmission is from them. But it's not giving any further comment on the possible encounter. Quote, following a debrief with our flight crew and additional information received, we can confirm this radio transmission was from American Airlines Flight 2292. For any additional questions on this, we encourage you to reach out to the FBI. That's what American Airlines is saying. FBI isn't commenting. Now, look, it seems that with greater and greater frequency, we're hearing about these 
encounters with UFOs. And we are seeing further evidence. It seems every year we see more and more evidence of the existence of these UFOs. Yet it still feels like there's an information lag in terms of what we're being told by at least the U.S. government and the numbers, the numerous videos and images that we're finding all over the internet. Now, some people may say, well, some of those are being photoshopped. Some of those aren't real. It's the old Bigfoot thing. And look, you have to account for a certain percentage of these things being hoaxes or people tugging at our leg or putting out, you know, photoshopped images. But it's clear at this point that there are UFOs out there. There are unidentified flying objects, not from our planet, that we're not getting information about. That we're simply not receiving the truth about. And because of that information gap, this is, this is the problem. Again, this era we live in. The information gap and that vacuum is starting to be filled by potential misinformation and things that could really alarm people. And again, this goes back to even the political conversations we've been having about this post-truth era that we live in. Well, if you have a vacuum or if you've got this space and it's not being filled with truth, the only other thing it be, it, things it could be filled with are lies or misinformation of some kind, willful or unwillful. And that's very dangerous when you have a population that's starved for information, they're getting the wrong information. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to become very nervous. And they're going to become um, alarmist. And if and when the time comes that we are visited by another being from another planet, it's only going to lead to further hysteria from people that have been filling that vacuum with conspiracy theories of what this may or may not be. So I got to say, I think it is very important for, for governments from all nations that are fully aware at this point of what is going on to stand up and tell us what you know. Tell people what information you have, good, bad, or indifferent, as it relates to visitors from other planets or other solar systems or somewhere in our galaxy or outside the galaxy, whatever. You got to tell us what you know. Because one day, this is all going to come to a head. It's not just going to be beings from another planet flying into our neighborhood. They're going to figure out a way to come here and stay here. I hate to say this because I sound like tinfoil wrapped around my head guy. Cause, and, I, and I'm really not. I'm not some crazy conspiracy theorist. But one day, they're going to either figure out that they can land here or become sophisticated enough that maybe they can adapt to our environment. And they're going to come visit. And we have to be ready in one form or another. Now, I'm not talking about like the Space Force thing that that, <laughs> that Donald Trump wanted to launch, this new branch of the military. But you've got to have some you got to have some sort of plan. Again, I, I talk about this all the time. Our government in the United States, at least, is reactive as opposed to proactive. Is anybody being proactive as it relates to aliens coming to this planet? Has anybody come up with a plan for what to do if we are invaded, visited, contacted, if we haven't been already? <sighs> Just one of those things we're talking about up late. All right, we welcome you back up late. I am Jason Page. Good to have you with us. So Pat Sajak is coming under fire. By the way, noted conservative Pat Sajak, which is probably not going to help him uh, when it comes to this latest story 
Headline, Pat Sajak under fire for mocking Wheel of Fortune contestants lisp. Uh, I will give you the audio. I don't have the video available. I couldn't find any good video of it. But he was doing those interviews of the contestants that he does early in the show. Where you, hey, tell us where you're from. And what do you do? And blah, blah, blah. And this is what has him under fire. Company, we sell technology that benefits older adults living in senior living communities. Yeah, and that's a, a tough thing too because technology and sometimes people are not open to new You'd be surprised how, how open they are. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. So that's just a myth. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I see. Uh, you were married? I think I'm still a newlywed. Uh, well, I don't So he was basically mocking a contestant who has a lisp. And by the way, I went and looked up this contestant's Twitter profile. His name is Chris Brimble. And, well, Chris Brimble has a lisp. And Pat Sajak basically mocked that lisp by saying, you'd be surprised how open they are. And then he said, ah, I fee, which instead of saying see, he said, I fee. So he made fun of the guy's lisp. Now, Brimble laughed at the joke. And the show's production crew laughed at the joke. Viewers at home, though, they weren't happy. One person on Twitter said, maybe if you grew up with a speech impediment, you'd understand, wrote one viewer. Alongside a hashtag, Pat Sajak sucks hashtag. Did Pat Sajak just mock one of the contestants, another viewer asked? How in the world are you allowing Pat Sajak to keep his job after that, said another. Um, Wheel of Fortune isn't responding, neither is Pat Sajak so far. They're probably hoping this whole thing will just go away. And because it's Pat Sajak and he's been on the show for a thousand years, uh, it probably will. I say this as somebody who grew up with a speech impediment. A lot of people don't know this about me. It's not something I've ever, it's not something I've talked about very often, we'll just say. Um, but I had a speech impediment when I was in elementary school. I could not pronounce S's. Um, I could not pronounce them properly. When I would speak, I would say, instead of something like snake, I would say snake. I could not put my mouth in the proper way. I couldn't use my tongue properly to pronounce certain words that began with the letter S. And I had to actually go to speech therapy um, when I was in elementary school to fix this. So as somebody who has suffered with a speech impediment and been able to build myself up to a reputable broadcasting career uh, where I literally talk for a living, um, both here and on radio shows and TV networks and all of that. I count myself as fortunate, but not everybody is able to get that help. Not everybody's able to overcome that speech impediment that Chris Brimble has with his lisp. Those aren't easy things to overcome. And look, did Pat Sajak just think he was being funny? Was he mocking the guy? Who knows? Uh, he certainly should come out and apologize at the very least for making fun of somebody's speech impediment. I, I just don't understand. In this day and age, I don't understand for the life of me, you know, how some people just don't have that internal filter. I have people in my own family, and I won't name names, but I have people in my own family who lack that internal filter. And some people think I don't have a filter. Trust me. If you heard everything that was going on in my mind, you'd be amazed. Uh, this is filtered. Somebody was saying to me the other day, wow, you're, you know, you're really opinionated now. I'm opinionated, but I'm still filtered. I don't know if I'd be allowed on even Twitch, Twitter, Facebook Live, or YouTube if I said everything that came to my mind. I'd probably be censored somewhere along the way. But it amazes me how many people just lack that internal filter. That second, that brief pause... Where you, where you say to yourself, if I say this, is it something that could potentially be detrimental, both to me and to the person I'm saying, saying it about? I remember as a kid in, in middle school, I used to have some real issues with, um, with self-control. And they sent me to like a school therapist and all that to try and, and help me. And one of the things this school therapist said, and one of the things they tried to 
impart on me was take a split second to think before you say anything that could potentially hurt somebody or come across the wrong way or be disrespectful. And I'd like to think throughout much of my adult life, with few expe- with few exceptions, where sometimes I felt like I was backed into a corner and had to respond. I'd like to think I've been able to do that. And I think everybody should aspire to do that. Take that split second before you say that hurtful thing that Pat Sajak said. I don't know. It seems like a common sense piece of advice to give to finish our show. And that's how we wrap up this Tuesday slash Wednesday edition of Up Late with Jason Page. Don't forget the Up Late with Jason Page podcast, which you might be listening to now and hopefully enjoying. Uh, The Intersection podcast, subscribe to both of those podcasts. The Intersection podcast, which will be back with a new episode next week. The Up Late with Jason Page podcast, all available. Spotify, Apple Music, TuneIn, Stitcher. Google Play. Check them out. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Till then, mask up, stay safe. We'll talk to you all soon. I'm Jason Page. Thanks for being with us. Get better, Tiger. See you all later. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.